Welcome to the Anne Unashamed podcast, where we have relaxed couch conversations that heal by bringing you inside the life stories of vulnerable women and men who invite you to take a sneak peek into their journey. I'm your host, Erica. Let's chat. Today, we are joined in the studio by Alan. Alan, welcome to Naked and Unashamed. Hey, Erica, thank you for having me. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. So, tell us some fun ta- facts about yourself. Shoot, fun facts about myself. Hmm. That's a tough one. I don't know. Um, what I consider to be fun, somebody else may not be, um, may not consider to be fun. So, fun facts about myself. Uh, one fun fact about myself is that I used to like to run. Um, I did my first half marathon when I used to work for Capital One. That was like 15 years ago. And I've I've done some races between that time and now, but haven't run a whole lot um, probably in the last five or six years. So <clears throat> that's one fun fact. Okay. Um, another fun fact about myself is that um, I am a public school teacher. And so I have a lot of stories. Some mm. I can share, some I cannot share. Uh-huh. Um, but every day is an adventure being mm-hmm. a public school teacher. I teach middle school. So um, it is fun, but very interesting to say the least. Okay. So, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you teach? English. English. Okay. Mm-hmm. And what's your most memorable moment? Probably I've been in education for like 21, 22 years. And so, um, some of my most memorable moments probably would be having those conversations with students uh, who I've watched graduate, who who I've watched become family, uh, mm. family members, parents, having children. Yeah. So that's always nice. And then, unfortunately, over the years, um, <clears throat> and it's something that sticks with you. I, I've lost a few students. Mm-hmm. And so I can remember all the students. Um, the students who I've lost. Yeah. Um, I can remember their names, their faces. And so that's something that doesn't go away. So yeah. so those are things that kind of stick with you, the good and the bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. So do you know you're the first male on the podcast? I didn't know that. <laughs> but <laughs> I guess that's good. I guess I'm setting the tone for all those who follow. So You are. All right. You ready to get started? I'm ready. Let's go. All right. <clears throat> so um, I wrote a book called Naked mm-hmm. and Unashamed, and you have read it. Yes. Congratulations, um, by the way. Thank you. I appreciate that. What's your favorite part or section in the book? Mm, I think my favorite part of the book, the section, and I was <clears throat> looking at my notes, um, my favorite part of the book is probably when you talked about you gave of yourself in relationships more mm-hmm. than you should have. Um, and I think that's very foretelling because I think a lot of times when you're in relationships, whether you're male or female, you make sacrifices, you give of yourself, and so... Um, but you don't want to give give of yourself too much where you sort of like self-sacrifice mm-hmm. or you, you kind of go against your own morals. So that was the part that was very eye-opening for me. Um, and then you talked about the different um, feelings that people have and, and, and how they value themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, I think like different adjectives, like you talked about being lonely, um, not feeling wanted. And so that I think was when I was reading through the book, that's one of the sections that kind of jumped out at me. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so were, how did you connect or could you 
or didn't connect with mm-hmm. some of the things that were in the book? I mean, I I definitely could connect. Um, one of the things when you mentioned in the book that you were like going and, and doing all these things for guys, giving mm-hmm. them money. And I can remember, <clears throat> excuse me, thinking back to when I was in school, in middle school and high school, where I would have girls that, that would do the same, you mm-hmm. know, like would offer me things. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, I remember thinking, me and some of my buddies were thinking that, wow, this is like really easy. Like I can go over to this girl's house and she's going to let me to come in and mm-hmm. all of this stuff. <clears throat> so when I read that section, it really, it really brought me back to my middle school, high school years, my own experiences, but from the male perspective. And yeah. so, you know, it made me think about, well, wow, I wonder if the girls that I dealt with in middle school and high school felt the same way that you did. Mm-hmm. Um, so it had all these questions, things I'd never thought about before from reading your book. Um, yeah. So that's good. Yeah, that's good. Um, and you mentioned a little bit about this. So in the book, I talk about my experience of trying to keep love and mm-hmm. how I would do that in extreme situations. What are some things that you might have done to keep love? Mm, that's a good question. Some of the things I might have done to keep love. Um, I think one of the things, you know, um, I was married for seven years. And in the time that I was married, you know, marriage relationships are difficult enough, marriage as well. And so um, before we got divorced, you know, I had thought about leaving the marriage, but I decided to kind of stick with it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, at the time, I, I considered that I loved my wife and didn't want to be divorced, didn't yeah. want to have my son grow up in a broken home. And so um, I think for me, that was one of the sacrifices I made um, in the seven years I was married. I could have left but I didn't mm-hmm. um, because, you know, there was a situation where there were times where we were not getting along and there were times that we were engaged in a disagreement or argument. And mm-hmm. so I think in those moments it was easy for me to say, you know what, I'm done. I'm out. Yeah. I'm leaving. But I stayed. Yeah. So, you know, was that against my better judgment at the time? I, at the time I was going through that process, I would say no, but that's just one example of, of things that I've done to say, okay, well, I'm going to stay committed, stay yeah. in love. So yeah, that's good. Yeah. Anything. Um, so you think talk, you mentioned earlier about speaking from a male perspective mm-hmm. and you talked about kind of the middle and high school experiences. I guess, could you talk a little bit more about that? So as having, yeah. you know, girls approach you mm-hmm. and trying to give you things. Um, yeah. What, yeah, tell us more about that. Yeah, so I can remember in in, in high school, um, you know, girls would, would come up and say, oh, well, my parents are not going to be home. Mm-hmm. You can come over. Or um, we'll we just give you money or, or give you things, things I didn't even ask for. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm kind of getting over a cold. Things I didn't even ask for. Um, so, you know, s- sometimes I accepted it, sometimes I didn't. But I remember feeling that, well, why is she giving me this? Mm-hmm. You know, I like you. So why do you feel the need to to give me this? And I remember asking <clears throat> a girl that one time, like, why why are you giving me this? Why are you giving me this money? And she was like, oh, you know, I just want you to have it. And it never thought, you know, it never occurred to me that maybe she's giving it to me because she thinks less of herself or maybe mm-hmm. she's giving it to me. Because she she's trying to buy my emotions or buy yeah. my effect, you know. So it never occurred to me. 
And then so when I was reading your book and I and I noticed some of the reasons why you were doing it, mm-hmm. it brought me back to that moment. Like, okay, well, I wonder, was that the reason why she was doing it? Mm-hmm. The, the girl that I was talking to in high school. Mm-hmm. So just just that connection um, yeah. made me think about that. Um, what's interesting is, you know, some of those same girls who are now mothers, who are now wives and and you know because we went to school together because mm-hmm. I'm from a small town I run into them from time to time mm. or I may see them on social media yeah um but of course we never talk about that stuff oh, from course. our childhood because <laughs> we don't have that kind of relationship right but you know now it's making me wonder like hmm like when I see a post or when I mm-hmm. see somebody posting something on social media from my past it makes me wonder like I wonder what she was thinking back during our childhood. Mm-hmm. So has mm-hmm. all these kind of questions. Yeah. That you know, that kind of come up. Yeah. No, that's good. And so talking a little bit about um moving to kind of a moment of shame. Mm-hmm. So can you share a moment in your life where you experienced shame and tell us a little bit about that experience? Oh wow, I can share quite a few moments. <laughs> I don't know if we have time for all of them. But uh, um I think one of the moments of shame for me is and I and, and it's something that over the years I had to spend time kind of working through and, and continue to work through is having three children by three different women. Mm-hmm. Um one of the women, of course, was I, I was married to for seven years. Mm-hmm. Um I had my first child when I was twenty two, twenty three, mm-hmm. um, which is my son who's who's now twenty two, going on twenty three. And then I had my second child when I was married, um, my son, um, who is 15. And then I have my daughter, um, who's nine. Mm -hmm. Um, So I say all that to say that, you know, having three different children about three different women, um, for me, was a moment of shame. Um, And I think a lot of part of, I think a large part of it is because of the relationship or lack thereof that I have with my father. Mm. Um, my father passed when I was 30, when he was 36 mm-hmm. and he left behind nine children. Mm. Um, I never met my father. And so I didn't get connected to my father's family until I was probably like 38, mm-hmm. 39. But by then he had been gone for quite some time. Yeah. And so uh, that was the first time that I discovered that I had all these siblings. I had brothers and sisters on my dad's side. And so in peeling back the layers and and, and going through his story, I kind of saw myself headed down that same path Mm -hmm. of having multiple children by multiple women. I mean, when he passed at 36, he left behind nine children, Mm -hmm. five or six different women. Mm -hmm. And so um, as I talked to my brothers and sisters, we concluded that he was dealing with these women. Yeah. Some of them at the same time. Mm. So that was a moment of shame for me because now I'm I'm peeling back the layers and I can see my life headed somewhat in that same direction. Okay. Um, and then, of course, trying to navigate being a father, being a single dad, trying to spend time with your children, yeah. trying to, you know, get them every other weekend and, and things of that nature. So that can be difficult. Yeah. Um, even now, you know, even though my, my, my sons are older, but I, I still have my daughter. And so trying to navigate all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that was a moment of shame. Um, but I had to tell myself that regardless of that, this is my life. Yeah. You can't hide from it. You can't run from it. Um, and there's nothing to be ashamed about. Mm-hmm. Um, 
You know, we all have things in life that that we deal with mm-hmm. that it's all about our perception. Like, how do you see it? How do you get through these situations and find the common good and, and find the positive? Mm-hmm. And so that's what I try to focus on. Okay. Yeah. So how did you, so you mentioned hearing about your father having mm-hmm. um, nine kids, multiple different women. Mm-hmm. And then you were looking back at your life and kind of where you were headed. How did you, or yeah, how did you pivot and make a different decision? Well, you know, I had to really kind of do some soul searching and, and, and trying to find out, like, a lot of times when you get involved with someone, whether it's a relationship or just getting to know someone, um, you have to quickly stop yourself and, and ask yourself some questions like, mm-hmm. is this the person that is right for me? Is this the person that I could see in a long-term relationship? Is this a person that has similar values mm-hmm. uh, than me or, or similar values to me? Yeah. And so um, as I move forward, the, the way that I pivot is that I had to really slow down and, and to take some stock in my life to actually reevaluate, to kind of figure out, okay, well, who, what is it that I want and, and who am I in relation to my emotions and being in a relationship and so once I started to take some time to do that, then I was able to have more clarity and, and, and come to a better understanding of who I was and what I wanted mm-hmm. in a potential relationship. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of times you men and women, you, you jump into something thinking that it's going to be like this and you may have all these different goals and and overall expectations, but then quickly realize that it's not what I thought. It's yeah. not what I want. Um and so you just have to make better decisions and and wise decisions. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. nope, that makes sense. Okay. Um, so we've kind of talked through middle school, high school, mm-hmm. and then some decisions you made. What would you tell your younger self back then, or even just encouraging men today, kind of thinking mm-hmm. through some of the things you went through? Yeah, I mean, I think what I would tell my younger self and and just men in general. Um, and I talk to young men sometimes about this, is that you have to be honest with yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to be accountable for your actions. And so understand that everything that you do has some consequence to it. Mm-hmm. And so everything from um, the the job you take, the people you deal with, the relationships that you form. And so you have to be honest with yourself and, and really begin to understand yourself as a person to know what it is that you want, what, is it, what are some of the things that you value, and then try to align those with people you meet, try to have people in your inner circle, mm-hmm. try to develop relationships um, that, that could be intimate relationships or mm-hmm. try to develop friendships and meaningful relationships that align with your values. Mm-hmm. But the first you got to start with, you got to really know who you are. Mm-hmm. And also understand, too, that people are always changing, even yeah. yourself. So just because you started out one way, does not necessarily mean that you're going to be that way five years, seven years from now. Mm-hmm. Um, so understand that people change, um, and that's okay if you change and adapt, but you have to actually identify and understand those changes yeah. when they occur. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can imagine that being a challenge for teenage boys or girls. Like, mm-hmm. you're in middle school. Mm-hmm. and you- <laughs> Oh, my. <laughs> I'm sure there's some stories and some sites that you see in school. Um yeah, how do you do you find yourself even having that conversation with some of the guys at school with some of the things that you see? I do. And and it's it's 
it's interesting because when I'm in middle school every day and I'm, I'm teaching students and I encounter students, a lot of times students want to be grown mm-hmm. and they say and they act grown. But when I'm talking to them, I'm quickly reminded that they're still children. Yeah. So I have to kind of monitor what I say to them mm-hmm. and I have to put it in a way that they can understand it but not go too detailed and too deep mm-hmm. um, because they're children. Mm-hmm. And so even though I may say, okay, you acting a little too grown, I think you can understand this, but in reality they can't. Mm-hmm. Um, now it's funny because I've worked, I've also taught high school. Mm-hmm. And of course high school students are a little bit older. Yeah. And so my conversations are different with them. Mm-hmm. So I'm finding myself, because I work at a school where it's a middle school and high school combined. Mm-hmm. And so I do interact with some of our high school students. Yeah in a club that I sponsor, um, the Black Student Union. And so when I talk to them, we have conversations. My conversations are more mature mm-hmm. than my middle school students. Mm-hmm. So I find throughout the week I'm going between two different worlds. Yeah. Having conversations with middle school students about how do you relate to your peers and what's appropriate, what's not appropriate, yeah. and then also having that conversation on a more mature level with high school students. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting dynamic for sure. Yeah, definitely. Any other nuggets of wisdom for men in general? Um, I, I think for men, I think this book is eye-opening in the sense that even though I'm assuming your target audience would be females, would mm-hmm. be women, um, but I think men can get a lot from this book as well. Okay. Um, I think you know some of the pages that I was reading, especially the page that talked about the different characteristics, how do you describe yourself, what are some of the things that you've dealt with as mm-hmm. far as being lonely, not not feeling enough. Yeah. I think that section I think could could go well for both men and women. Okay. Um and, and just to be open minded. Um because I think there are a lot of things in the book that you could utilize or or to, or to use to improve yourself. Mm-hmm. Um and, and to maybe even improve relationships. Mm-hmm. Whether it's friendships, whether it's intimate relationships. Um so I I, I definitely think it's a good read and I'm happy you wrote it. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Um. All right. So the book title for your life. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite parts. So if you had to title your life blank and unashamed, what would your title be? And hmm. tell us more about that. Blank and unashamed. Um, that's a tough one. I don't know. If I had a title blank and unashamed. Um. I would probably say alive and unashamed. Hmm. Alive okay. and unashamed. Okay. Um, and I say that because there was a time period in my life, um, not too long ago, that I that I dealt with a lot of loss. Mm-hmm. Um, it was um, about probably about five five years ago, where unfortunately I lost my mom. Um, I had some a close friend of mine who committed suicide. Um, she not only was a friend but was a coworker. Yeah. And so then I, my son was in an accident. So it was a lot of loss that was happening. Mm-hmm. And then I was in a transition period, um, moving out of the state, uh, ending a relationship. Mm-hmm. So for me, that was a very, um, very traumatic moments that, that took place. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was in a deep, dark place. Um, and so, but I'm here. And so even all that I went through, I'm on the other side of that. And mm-hmm. so when I look back on those experiences, you know, I can go and, and share with other people, hey, if if you're feeling this way, if you're feeling like life is not worth living for, yeah, then 
these are things that you can do. I'm a I'm a living testament that you can get through these things. Yeah. And this is how you do it. Um, and so now that I'm in a better place and I think about this title, Alive and Unashamed, mm-hmm. I'm not ashamed to talk about the bad things that have happened in my life mm-hmm. or the thoughts that I may have had or the situations that I've been in. Mm-hmm. Because I understand that those can be impact or those can be impactful for other people yeah. to get through what they're getting through. Yeah. Um, so that's the title that I would say, Alive and Unashamed, that I'm here, that I'm still moving through, I'm, I'm still present, still have time to make changes and to be a better me. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's what anyone uh, should aspire to and can can hope to have in their life. Okay. And what were some of the things that you did to move through that time period in your life? So one of the things I did, and this is something that is a stigma for, I think, men in general, mm-hmm. um, and especially African-American men, but I think men overall, is to go and, and see a counselor, see a therapist. Mm-hmm. Um, I know over the last couple of years, and I'm dealing with educational, being in education, there's been a lot of talk about mental health, Yeah, um, which is good. Um, but I actually went, sought a counselor, um, talked to a couple of counselors mm-hmm. to, to help me get through that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was one thing that I did. Okay. Another thing that I did was to take time to reevaluate what I want out of life. Yeah. And that's something that I really hadn't, taking the time to do. A lot of times we go through life, you're working, you're taking care of your kids, you're doing all these things, but do you ever stop to take time to say, okay, well, how is my life really going? Mm-hmm. And so once I started doing that, and then once I started going to counseling, I started to put the pieces back together and mm-hmm. figure out, okay, well, these are some ways that I can make some changes mm-hmm. moving forward. Mm-hmm. So those are the two things that I would recommend for anyone to do. If you're going through a, a time period where you're experiencing a lot of difficulty, a lot of emotions, go and seek counseling, talk to a therapist, and then really take some time to reevaluate your life. If it means you have to journal, if it means you have to write some things down, if it means you have to take some time away from work, mm-hmm. because, you know, being a teacher can be very stressful. Yeah. Um, so um, do what you have to do Yeah. because you have to take care of yourself. Yeah. I like what you said about going to see a counselor. I'm a strong mm-hmm. proponent of counseling. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do know, or and I do feel like in the African-American community um, and others as well, the stigmatism of going to see a professional counselor is starting to diminish mm-hmm. because there is such a focus on mental health. Yes. But I think it still exists where people don't see value in going to talk to someone about their, their trauma, their problems, mm-hmm. whether it's from way back when or currently. Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of thinking through that and... Thinking from a male perspective, like what else could someone do? And yeah, I think also having those conversations with the people around you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know a lot of times as men, we don't want people to know. Yeah, we don't want people to know what we're dealing with, what we're talking through, um, our thoughts. And so, being honest enough to, if 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 a man is married, to confide in his wife. Mm-hmm. Um, Talk to siblings, talk to your parents, but, you know, push pride aside and to say, look, these are some of the things that are happening. And I know it's tough to do because I was there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of times I'm carrying the weight of a lot of responsibility, whether it's at work, uh, dealing with my own children, mm-hmm. um, or, or, you know, I'm the oldest of uh, my siblings or some of the oldest. And so having that responsibility as well. So a lot of times men don't want to open up because... They're looked upon as being the strong one or being the provider in the family. Yeah. And so I think, but, you know, your loved ones, 
people in your inner circle, those are people that you should be able to go to and say, hey, you know, this is what's going on. Yeah. Do you have some time? Can I talk to you for a minute? Mm-hmm. And and not be so prideful to say, well, you know, I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to try to deal with this on my own. Mm. I may go get counseling. I may not go get counseling. Yeah. And so that's the one thing that I would encourage men to do also. Yeah. A lot of good nuggets mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. Pride and all that stuff. Yeah. I think that was one of the... Words in your book, you talk mm-hmm. about the list of adjectives and being mm-hmm. too prideful mm-hmm. and not asking for help. So Yeah, yeah, which can be hard for anyone, not just men. Oh, yeah, definitely. So no, that's good. Okay, so alive and unashamed. Mm-hmm. I love it. All right. Anything else you would like to share before we wrap up? I just want to say, once again, congratulations. I enjoyed the book. Um, I've enjoyed the people who came before me mm-hmm. and listening to your podcast. And so really mm-hmm. like the guests that you've had on, I'm sure you're going to continue to have some great guests. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to seeing who's next. Um, yeah. I actually find myself going and looking and going onto Instagram and trying to listen to the podcast when I'm driving and, and trying to go back and, yeah. okay, did I miss anything? Did I? So, yeah, but good job that. overall. Awesome. Thank mm-hmm. you. Well, thank you for being on the show today. We appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Okay. And it was a, it was fun, and I enjoyed it, and maybe I can come back again sometime. Yes, we might invite you and some others as well. Okay, that would be great. <laughs> that would be great. Have a group session. I Have like a group that. session, I yes. Like that. All right. Well, thanks, Alan. We appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Erica. Take care. Thank you for taking the time to listen. I hope you were able to walk away with something meaningful you can apply to your life. Visit us at andunashamed.com to stay up to date. Remember to subscribe and feel free to share and encourage someone with this episode. If you haven't already, go grab a copy of my book, Naked and Unashamed. You can find out where to purchase by visiting the site andunashamed.com. I can't wait to chat with you next time. But before we go, I'll leave you with this, a quote from Oscar Wilde. To love oneself is the beginning of a lifelong romance. Romance.